She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the Book Besties. You are ass naked in the hab all the time. Hey, former astronauts, if you yanked the wizard in space, we need information. (laughs) Molly, why did you do this to us again? The best part of our podcast is Molly derailing. Also not sponsored. In your face, Neil Armstrong. It's because we're almost 10 minutes in and I'm rambling about Firefly. Okay, well now we wasted another 30 seconds. Fucking go. That's always, you know, it it perks my day up. I have been struggling. I have been having a struggle bus week. You know this. Yes. And every time that intro kicks in, I smile and I let go of whatever has been going on. And I know for the next hour, I get to talk about books with my best friend. It's and, true. and it's fucking it's amazing. And I love you for coming on this <laughs> wild ride with me. So speaking of this wild ride... Yeah. Um, I made a phone call this week. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, this book is by Andy Weir. Right. He sells pup. Okay. So, um, I was on his website. Well, we should, we should tell what the book is. Oh, sorry. We're doing The Martian this week, The Martian by Andy Weir. Um, and I was on his website. Num- high number of post-it notes in your um, Tabby, that's a whole other conversation. Oh but I was on his website and I was looking around and his publicist's phone number is right there. Okay. So I called it for to see if he wanted to be on the pod. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> she answered her phone in three rings. No! Molly! What? <laughs> So, Why are you telling me this as we're filming? <laughs> so, um, she t- informs me that Mr. Weir is currently taking a paternity leave because they just had a baby. Aww, so he's yeah, not doing Congratulations. Press. Congratulations. Yes, Andy, we are very happy for you. She yes. then informs me to reach out to her in the new year because he will be pushing his, uh, not pushing, he will be doing publicity for a paperback that is coming out in the new year and to of recontact this, her. Of, of this book or of, of, a, an- of a another book? Novel. <gasps> another novel. So, oh, can we, can we get she, arcs? Um, so it's a book that's already been published, I believe, but it will oh. be the paperback. Um, so she told me to well, email so her. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She told me to email her in the new year. Uh-huh. And, uh, touch base with her then and I and she was sincere and I was really surprised I did not think I was gonna get her directly but but we're like nobody like I told her I, I mean she was writing down our podcast I could hear her like pausing to write our name down so we're on her list I don't know how high on the list but we're on her list my lighting is weird I'm gonna try to that's but Oh, well. Sorry, was- Tom. <laughs> That's fine. He'll fix it. He always does. He won't fix it. I'll just be blue for the whole episode. Um, um, so, yeah. Wow, that, I- is, that is crazy. Okay. Like, honestly, if you guys are thinking that we planned this out, like, Molly did no, not tell me this. Like, I literally I, told this her is, that I this had is the first when sh- I'm hearing this. I literally told her, I have to tell you about a phone call I made, but I want it on film. And she's like, uh, thanks. That's 
amazing. That's amazing. That's well, exciting. I, I mean, I don't know if it'll pan out. I mean, Mr. Weir has had a movie turned into a book turned into a movie. Yeah. So like he, like he's beyond us, but it would be really cool. It'd be really cool if he did it. Really like cool. even if we got like a five minutes with him, it would be really neat. But yeah, it, uh, if you do hear this, I really appreciate you answering your phone. Yeah. And um, I look forward to reaching out to you again. <laughs> and please feel free to share this episode. <laughs> With Mr. Weir. Because right, we're fucking right. hilarious. We so, are um, hilarious. So before I get into the synopsis, I wanted to share something I found interesting about this book. Okay. Um, in 2011, when this book was written, he originally mm-hmm. self-published it as a blog yeah. in a serialized format. Yeah. And then it was re-released as a book later. And yeah. I found that fascinating. That he... I think that's really cool. I mean, that's definitely one way to self-publish. And there are several authors. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey, that's how it started, too. Right. I, mean, I know we're not fans of that book, but, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, I think I've told you this before, that the only Stephen King books that I've read were the two that he published, like, in a magazine and then eventually yeah. bound. Um, in a book format. So yeah, I mean, but I think that's really cool. Um, honestly, like, I'm so glad that someone picked it up and like decided this is worth it, publishing. This because is, it's worth publishing. <laughs> it is a fantastic book. The Martian. the Martian is one. I will say this is one of my favorite books. Yeah, I had never read it. So um, I was surprised you hadn't read it. Read it. Read well, it. You haven't read it. Well, the reason is because (laughs) English language. Words are hard. We say this all the time. Um, The reason I hadn't read it was because I saw the movie when the movie first came out on DVD. So I'm Mm -hmm. not really sure when that is, but I borrowed it from the library. Uh I had a Tom. I think Tom was either deployed at the time or he was like working a lot of night shifts. Anyway, I hadn't seen him in a while. So, and I was just home with like a baby. So I went ahead and the movie came out. So I was pregnant with Sam. Okay. Um, which that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Tom was not deployed, not deployed, but I was pregnant with Sam. So I was probably just like trying to find something to do. Right. But anyway, I rented the movie or nope, I didn't rent it. I borrowed it from the library and um, I watched the movie and I, I know we're going to get more into the movie later. So I won't like go into depth about my feelings about it, but I just wasn't like super inspired to read the book from that. Like, the concept was super interesting to me still, but like uh-huh. it didn't really inspire me. So this book has been on my TBR for like a really long time. And I, in 2020, I even had it checked out from the library because um, it was a part of our challenge for the book. Club read that we sci-fi, run. right? Yeah. Well, it was read an author with your same initials. And oh, so yeah. I mean, Andy Weir, A.W. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't read it then. Um, and so this was my first reading, and it is definitely 100% one I will read again. Absolutely, I, hands down. Hands I, down, it will be one I read again. I mean, his writing is so clever. He's, it's well written, it's well thought. It, it, I mean, and, some of the science, I mean, the science goes, we'll go into this later. The science, well, we talk, goes, some of the math goes way over my head. <laughs> well, we've talked before about first-time authors and, like, how you can tell they're first-time authors. And I didn't get that feeling from this. And I don't know if it's because it technically went through two publications. Like, it went through the publication on his blog. And then it went through an editor and into, like, publishing in a book format. Just, like, I don't he's know. So, but, but he's, he's just, super smart. Like, um, yeah. he's a programmer for a national library. He got hired I, as a programmer as a national laboratory at age 15. Yes, but 
being a computer programmer does not necessarily mean that you have the creativity to be an author. He is a lifelong um, space nerd and devoted to hobbyist su- subjects like realistic physics, orbits, mechanics, and the history of man's space flight. And I would bet you dollars to donuts he is a fan of Firefly, mm-hmm. Star Trek, Star Wars. I mm-hmm. bet this man is. And if not, we're going to have beef, Andy, because Firefly is amazing. <laughs> You can't not like Firefly. I mean, it's just you know who there's two kinds of people. There's there's two kinds of people that hate that that don't like Firefly. All right, two kinds of people: people that love Firefly and the people that have never seen Firefly. That's that's accurate. Um, but yeah, so um, it was Nathan motherfucking Fillion. Well, I mean, okay, but that's not the only reason to like the show. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Anyways, let's get into the synopsis because we're almost 10 minutes in and I'm rambling about fire. Molly, why did you do this to us again? <laughs> the best part of our podcast is Molly derailing. <laughs> New motto. <laughs> Molly, we've got to watch the time. <laughs> Everybody... Hit our socials and tell April to mind her beeswax. <laughs> I mean, technically, as co-host of the podcast, our timing is my beeswax. Facts. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, now we wasted another 30 seconds. Fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> Synopsis. Synopsis. I'm going to keep doing that. It's anyway. both. It's however you want to say it. You both are like correct. That. I'm ADHD and hyper-focus on too many things. I need a, a straight answer. Synapsis. That's the answer from here on out. Oh, man. (laughs) Can you tell I've had a rough week? Anyways, we meet Mark Watley on the worst day of his life. He's been stranded on Mars and has to find a way to survive until the next mission to Mars. That's it. That's my synapsis. That's your, that's the whole thing. The book is like 300, almost 400 pages. I mean, that sums it up. We get other like viewpoints and we get other shit, but that's it. No, I I would also like to add to that that the mission that he has to wait for is not for four years. Years. Four. 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 Four years. That's a long fucking time. And he was only supposed to be there for a few months. 30 days. 30 days. They originally planned the mission for 30 days. So things are not looking good for Mark. (laughs) He's a botanist, damn it. (laughs) So let's get into it, shall we? Yes, finally. (laughs) Fucking go. Gosh. I'm really sorry, besties. I'm going to get my shit together someday. I don't think it's going to be this season or next, but we're coming up to it. Stick around and watch the show. (laughs) So um, I want to talk about... Before we get into question questions, mm-hmm. when we meet first-time authors, mm-hmm. we get good quippy lines. We get really sometimes. great, sometimes we get, most of the times we get a really good storyline. We never get, if we get a really good opening line, we never get a good ending line. This I, book has both. this book has both. We mm-hmm. start with Mark Watney saying... I'm pretty much fucked. That is the first words public put in ink on this page other than his dedication. I'm pretty and, much fucked. And then at the very end, he goes, this is the happiest day of my life. Yeah. He stinks. He's 
barely alive, but it's the happiest day of his life. That yeah. is clever. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I, I, I That is so clever. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I, I just wanted to say that. It, no, it, you I can have it. opinions if you desire, but they're wrong because that was really brilliant. <laughs> I'm so glad we do a podcast together. <laughs> you can tell me that my opinions don't matter on the podcast where we evaluate books together. Uh, I'm in a shit sir mood. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my God. It is going to be a massive book fight. It's going to be amazing. Okay. <laughs> Chapter one, we get hit with a lot of information pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the way the author did an info dump on us in this first chapter? I mean, I think it makes sense to me. I feel like if I'm Mark Watney, which I never would be, but <laughs> same. Oh gosh, I've hit my Get microphone. Your shit together! <laughs> I've now hit my microphone twice. My husband is going to be like, "What?" Sorry, the hell? Tom. <laughs> Um, so I feel like, uh, if I were Mark Watney, this would be where my brain is too. Like Mm -hmm. I've got to dump all this information out. And like, I feel like this is what amazes me about him being a first time author. That sort of information in the most skilled writing hands. Right. Can be handled well. Right. First time authors. They can't can't usually information dump like that. And you're like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's do this. Yeah. Like, 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 I'm along for the ride. I'm invested. I'm I'm panicking with you, Mark. Right. I'm invested. I'm invested (laughs) from the very first line. I'm pretty much fucked. fucked. Cool. Tell me the rest. I want to know more. (laughs) I want to know why we're fucked. Let's keep rolling. Right. Right. What happened? And I mean, to be fair, I had already seen the movie and knew the premise of the book. And even if you didn't, even if you hadn't seen the movie, you know that the book is somebody stranded on Mars, so right. I'm pretty much fucked is the best way. It's I can't think of anything better. I, I did put this in my notes. There is a young reader's edition of this book, so if you're interested or if you have a space kid, like Molly and I both have space kids, um, that might be interested in the book, I think it's a middle school book, like 7th, 8th grade, um, and it gets rid of, like, the fuck and things like that. Like a lot of the, you know, that's a Google question. When you type in the Martian, it goes the Martian. How many times is the F word used? Nice. Good call. That's a, uh, that's but a if great you have, Google. If you have a potty mouth like myself mm-hmm. and your children are used to it, let them read the damn book. It's pretty great. I don't really cuss around my kids that much. Well, I try not to because Sam, they need things. to stay away. We've from all decided. We've we've all decided that nobody can repeat what mommy says during the Cleveland Browns games. Um, I can't be held responsible for what I say when I'm watching football. But um, they should not I, be left alone with Aunt Molly. Then, yes, that's probably very very wise. <laughs> I mean, they'll learn a lot. But are they the things I want them to know? <laughs> yes, because you love me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. So there is a young readers edition of this book. So if you have a kid who might be interested, like a middle school kid, yeah. um, it gets rid of that language. But I did read a few reviews on it, and it still uses some of the language. So fuck is taken out. But um, there's a part where he says, "Please tell me that their moms are all prostitutes and their sisters," and like yeah. that's still in there. So I mean, if you, middle school if you boys have a talk co- like that. <laughs> If you want to have a conversation about what a prostitute is, this is the book for you. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, by page 12, 
he's figured out a way to figure out food. I mean, the line mm-hmm. is, but I'm a botanist, damn it. Mm-hmm. He, ha- by luck's chance, they had potatoes on there. Yeah. What, what, um, I found interesting, and I want to hear what you think. Do you think mm-hmm. NASA really would send a botanist in the first few missions? I- I think so. So this is the third mission. Right. Um, and I would say that each time you go, the priority would be the same science experiments. And botany seems like one that, like, especially if they're deeply invested in um, essentially colonizing Mars, they need to figure out how we can sustain life on it. Right. So grow- sending a botanist makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, even... Uh, the rover, right, uh, this week actually found um, in the lake that's mentioned in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a lake anymore. Like, it's a desert. Right. All of the planet is. But it used to be a river or a lake. They just found a rock that looks like it might have some vegetation that have grown. That's wild. So, like, that would be the botanist job, too, is to evaluate that. I mean, in in cooperation with like the geologist i'm sure uh, but mark watney wasn't just a bio- biologist he was also a, a chemical Chemi- engineer or, 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 i thought he was mechanical mechanical, mechanical engineer. engineer which ended up being really like he would have to be both to have really survived like the, he wouldn't have been able to survive otherwise right i found it interesting that his priority was food I'm not saying that that wouldn't be a priority. Like, obviously, he has enough food to survive, well, 30 days for six people. Right. So, I mean, but, cutting that in half, like, cutting that down, it's still yeah. not enough food to last him till that right. exhibition gets there. And I guess growing things does take a while, so I can understand why he started there. Also, he's a botanist. But, but I feel like communication would have been more of a priority. I, I feel mean, like that would have been more of a priority. You need to let them know that you are alive. I mean, and the then you they, need to figure out how to right, sail. Right. I mean, his primary study was botany, mm-hmm. you know, and right. I think his thought process is food, then survival, right? Yeah. So food equals survival, then we can figure out the rest of the shit. I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that is probably the right order to do it in, but my brain goes communication. Right. Then and, <laughs> I think with my stomach, so. (laughs) Well, I just Um, think, like, he mentioned several times that NASA has super smart people who are going to help get him home. Like, you know. Right. Uh, We learned really early he's stuck on this planet with shitty, or he says, shitty 70s TV and music. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy to me. What a weird choice. Um, weird choice. So, okay, if my mental math is right, which it's about sixty twenty there, uh, that doesn't equal a hundred. I know it doesn't. Um, so this takes place in twenty thirty five. Mark Watney is in his forties. That means this man was born in the nineties. And Lewis must be older than her. Like usually, the commander of the ship is older. So, Lewis was born in the 80s. So, that means that woman is nostalgic for a time, like, maybe she's into, this is just me theorizing, of course, music and TV that reminded her of her parents. 
it seemed like from the book that her partner, her husband, also, also enjoys it as well. Like, but it's like a which, part of like which, it's a body thing. I'm so glad they found each other because they have to be the only two people in the world that like disco. <laughs> I like ABBA. That hardly counts <laughs> because of the musical. I'll take it. Uh, so we get him making jokes about his death pretty early. When he's, like, trying to figure out how to make water, he's like, Mark Watney Memorial Crater. Yeah. And then he's on page 27. Molly, you didn't actually ask me a question about the Seven Names music. Do you have have a fucking question? I I, I, I found it interesting. Do you find it interesting? I found it it interesting how, (laughs) without telling, okay, I found it interesting how Andy Weir... Showed us their ages without actually telling us how old they were. Yeah, but I th- also think it's really interesting that this book is supposed to take like place less than fifteen years from now, and that also makes me feel like that's I'm really old. <laughs> but it is likely they are already training the first astronauts to go to Mars. Right. Well, so. I wonder how long he's been writing this. Right. I don't know. I don't know. How, I mean, he could have been writing this since he was a kid, for all we know, and he's been just. Adding to it and editing as we go. Could be. Um, page 27, he calls chemistry a sloppy bitch. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I like that he calls the chemist a uh, mad scientist. Yes. Um, You're German. <laughs> yes. You're a chemist. <laughs> um, let's go. I'm going to go to Soul 37, page 35. I'm Skipping through. Sorry. So we're on skipping forward to Soul 37. The Hab is now a bomb. He really screwed himself. Him trying to keep potatoes alive himself and not blow up the Hab is one of my favorite parts of this book. Mm-hmm. But he really did blow that shit up. He really did. He blew it up. <laughs> like, like I, were you surprised that, like, he exploded the Hab? Like, he no, fucked himself majorly? I was not surprised. He's talking about burning hydrogen. In a pure oxygen environment. Even when he was starting to talk about the science behind it, I was like... You're like, like, dumbass, 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 Listen, listen, I took AP chemistry in high school, and somebody once threw sodium in water, and sodium in water is explosive. Yes! And so it, like, started a fire in, like, the chem lab, and we're all like, oh, shit. Um... (laughs) So, like, shit is an understatement, man. Like, chemistry is not something to fuck around with. Like, you just can't. So, you can't just be like, I'm going to take this lighter and I'm going to light some hydrogen. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, and he took his crewmate's cross. And, like, (laughs) in the movie, it's so funny. In the movie, uh, uh, Matthew, uh, Matt. Matt Damon. Damon is looking at the cross and he looks at Jesus and he goes, I think you'll forgive me for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I because was- um, NASA doesn't take flammable things. Actually, he mentions how Apollo 1 astronauts one. died. Yeah. Um, and that's why they don't use pencils. It was the right. graphite from pencils that lit that fire. Which is wild. Right. So actually, Tom and I were watching the movie yesterday together so I could Uh prep for the pod because I hadn't seen the movie in so long. And I was like telling him, because in the movie, Matt Damon's outside writing with a pen and the book keeps talking about how the ink won't survive. Right. And And that's like, like, 
Tom's like, why doesn't he just use a pencil? And I was like, because Apollo won. I didn't know this. Like, here's a fun fact about April. I am a NASA junkie. I have read four books on the early days of NASA um, and how we got to the moon. I fucking love it. I have been to three NASA stations um, in Houston. Well, we lived here. Right. Well, I went for Tom's birthday one year in Houston. I think it's 30th, actually. Um, Cape Canaveral and the one in Ohio. I have not been to Langley, even though I only live 30 minutes from there. And But we will be taking the boys. We're just waiting for some more of like the restrictions and things mm-hmm. to subside. But um, yeah, I I love it. Same. I, have, I, I absolutely love it. So like, I, that's the other reason why I'm like shocked I haven't read this book. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I was just like, that's how astronauts die, Tom. <laughs> how do you not know? How do you not know? Stopping uncontrollably. Gus you Grissom. <laughs> how do you not know about Gus Grissom? <laughs> and we're 25 minutes in. <laughs> Fuck. Um, when we get to chapter six, we we change POVs and see that we're going uh, and see what's going on in NASA. Did you like this change? Okay, so this actually reminded me of, of the episode we did where we talked about Discovery of Witches. I told mm-hmm. you that I had never read a book that when it changed POVs, it it didn't change like from first person to first person and it was just a new person. Right. That book changed from first person to third person. And that's what this book did. Right. And I loved that. I know. Um, I really love that. The I think he got away with it because of the the marks was through journals as mm-hmm. opposed to like you know, him talking because who the fuck would he be talking to? Like he's the only person on the planet. Right. But, um, but I loved the, the change of point of view. I loved how we got these little small synapses, like this, yes. these little stories. I like love my, how we went from narrator to point of view to narrator to point of view. Right. Right. And I also liked the little stories that like weren't character based. So like the story where they talk about the hab cab canvas, like how it was made and how it was packaged uh, and then, and then how the creator was eroding. Such that clever played. writing. It was so clever. It was such so clever writing. smart. Like, yes, yes, yes. I want to ring my bell for smart writing this time and not for bad things. Like, we need I want a cowbell. Like, cowbell for good writing. <laughs> That would be annoyingly loud. Um, but <laughs> we're but annoyingly loud. Applause, <laughs> applause all around. Like, that Good was so writing. smart. It was so smart. Um, and I just, like, like, yeah, I mean, if you're the person that's stuck on Mars, you want to believe that people are, like, looking out for you. But, like, you literally have no way of knowing. Um, yeah. I, it was I good. Did, I, I really, I really, really liked that. Yeah. That was, that was that was probably um, one of my favorite aspects of this book was the way that it, it did just that. transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we eventually and, get, sorry, go sorry. ahead. Um, there was also like, we don't get the story of how he was left um, completely until like the middle of the book. Right. Which is um, fantastic. I love I the love time. That. Like we knew, we knew he was left. We knew kind of what happened to his suit and we sort of knew it from his point of view, but we didn't actually know, like, we didn't see it like, 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 yeah, right. We didn't know that commander Lewis had like, was like going to be left behind too. She was panicking, man. Yeah. She did. Um, well, no, no man left behind. No man left behind. Well, she's, but so, we learned later that her and Martinez are military, right? Right. And that it is her obligation to country 
and her countrymen to leave no man behind. It is well, and I, bred into you, no right. man behind. Well, and I feel like that would probably be the same code as astronauts, not even right. being in the military. Like, they don't want to leave each other. Like, no, they don't want to they, do Because they're, they're a team. They're a family. Yeah. Um, how do you think Mar- NASA handled the information of Mark still being alive? Do you think in real life NASA would do this? Or do you think they'd just leave him? Like, that they didn't tell the crew? Like, they didn't tell... Like, um, when Vigit Kapoor, he goes and he pretty much yells at the big boss to get pictures. He needs to right. see what's going on down there. And he, he fights. Doesn't, he doesn't do it so that he can find, to make sure Watney's there. He does it because he wants to get another mission. We scrubbed this one too soon. We might be able right. to squeeze Congress to get right. another mission. And he, I mean, and he wants to see. And he, then when they realize, like, He's still alive. They scramble. What? What's the line? Mark, you sneaky, clever son of a bitch. Is Vickett's yeah. line. Um, I, 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 I think that NASA would, I mean, they would have to release the information publicly. They are a government agency, so that information would be public. They would have already told everybody that he was dead, so they would want to retract that. So they aren't going to leave him there to starve, but I also feel like... Um, I don't think we would be getting as much information as they're making him show in this book. I I think that they look. I want to believe that NASA would have gone back for him because I, I they don't want to leave an astronaut. And right as of right now, NASA has never lost an astronaut in space. That has never they've knock never on lost wood. Knock, knock on knock, wood. Knock on wood. They've never lost an astronaut in space. So I can imagine that they would want to go back for him. I think it was really shitty that they didn't tell the Hermes crew, even though oh, they facts. didn't want to. They didn't want to shake them up or whatever. That was really shitty. Um, and um, I mean, knowing- I, I, I don't think they would have gone back for him. I don't think they would have put in, put on all this effort for one person. Um, no. I think when the money financially, first, no, no. I think when the first um, probe blew up, that would be the end of it. Like we yeah. fucking tried. We did everything we could. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think that Mark would have just taken a bunch of pills and died peacefully. Um, he, talks so, about, he talks about that. He talks about suffocating, right? Right. Your, yeah, he talks about turning his oxygen all the way up and just, or turning right. the nitrous up and just letting Right, because your body doesn't, let God. your lungs don't know that it, it they aren't it's inhaling O2. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so I kind of... I've watched from my end the government not give all the information. Oh, yeah. Until delayed. And, yeah. Um, so, like, they talk about how they everything is public information. And and freedom of it, they're making it sound like the Freedom of Information Act is instantaneous. That's not, not how it works. It's not. And, well, they, they do say that they have to release the pictures in 24 hours. So that gives right, them some but time. To they can still bury it. Mm-hmm. It is very easily buried. Yeah. Um, Andy Weir is definitely has more faith in the human, like in human compassion than I do, because yeah. I really think NASA would have just fucking left him there. Personally. Can I, can I read you this list that I have on my notes? Please. I, I've got to pull my computer up for this. This is how important <laughs> this is. 
Things I don't find believable, but absolutely want to believe. Right. That the entire world would work together to bring one guy home. That someone at a government agency would go against orders to let the crew know they could do something to help. The astronauts and military members would disobey direct orders to save one guy, though that does seem very military of them, no man left behind. Right. That NASA would ever risk the so many safety cuts in today's world or the future when this book takes place. Then I have a note here. NASA used to take shortcuts. Literally one time they received, this is my favorite early space story. Literally one time they received two parts from two factories that didn't fit together. And because they were behind schedule, they took a file and filed them down and then just put them together. NASA was hella renegade before OSHA and other safety organizations. Hella ghetto, you mean. Renegade's a nice way of saying ghetto. That China would help us just to get an astronaut from their country on Mars when they could make their own scientific breakthrough. That some American people and politicians wouldn't be pushing back at the cost of saving one guy. Because it would definitely turn political. It would. That someone stranded on Mars for a year and a half with dwindling food supply would continue to science stuff. Like collecting samples, for example. Uh, And I think... Those are all my... Things I want to believe, but really can't. <laughs> um, I think the reason, as we get to know Mark Watney more and more mm-hmm. as a character, mm-hmm. I think the reason he continues to do the samples and all mm-hmm. that is because of his love for his crewmates. I think he does I, it. I think he does it to to take his mind off of the impending doom, which like, could be I, that too. This is the thing I can control. I can right. control that today. I can collect samples. What, I what a healthy that. mindset! Ninety five percent of the people I know would be fucking spiraling, going, "Oh God, oh God, I'm gonna die." Oh, oh God, I, I wouldn't have made it the first day because I would have been like, "Well, I'm dead I'm now." Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this leads- and now I die. <laughs> so this leads actually into a great segue. I love how he talks about the crew members, naming landmarks after them as he goes, and even giving zero blame to them for what happens. Yeah. He feels like a truly kind character. This mm-hmm. feels unauthentic to me, being most people who want to go to space are a bit cocky. What do you think? I mean, I'm not going to say that they're not. And definitely the early astronauts, like, they were all about, I'm going to go first, I'm going to be right. the best, blah, me, blah, me, blah. Me, 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 I think the way that NASA has changed and evolved over the years, it hasn't been about who can be the best and who gets to go the most amount of times and things. It's really more about the science of it. Like the early NASA astronauts like Gemini, um, they were they were space cowboys. They were all flyboys, which first of all, flyboys, that's how they are. Right. They're all test pilots. That's yep. how they are. That's their the fucking attitude. Adrenaline junkies. Mm-hmm. But I think now the concentration is more on the science and like how we are actually bettering things. Um, And you basically can't be an astronaut now without an advanced degree. Right. They're they're not just space cowboys anymore. Like they're legit scientists. Um, And so I, I if you're interested in having an advanced degree, go to uh, usajobs.gov every year. No, I'm serious. Every year they post the job listing for astronauts. Yes. And they are always yes. looking for people to do it. And all you have to be is 18 mm-hmm. to apply is their underlining thing. Mm-hmm. They're always looking yeah. for something special. Uh, fun fact, <clears throat> Piper Addison has requested to start booking her flight hours so that she can be uh, pilot certified by the time she's old enough to apply. 
Oh, Piper. <laughs> I told James I was reading this book and I was like, it's about this guy who gets stranded on Mars because of an accident happens. And I said, it kind of doesn't make me really want you to go to Mars, buddy. And he's like, that doesn't make me want to go to Mars either, mommy. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's a really funny book though, buddy. He's fine. He gets it's saved. Fake. So. It's fake. <laughs> you can go to Mars. It's fine. I was like, I just burst that kid's bubble. Like, sorry, kid. Sorry, kid. Human beings are trash. <laughs> I'm moving on. So chapter 11, the amount of relief he must feel knowing that he's like, knowing that NASA knows he's alive. Mm-hmm. Mark contemplating on how to delete his logs because he's embarrassed by everything he's written. Yeah. I found it very clever that he, he figured out where the rover was, how to go get it, and how to bring it back and set it up. Mm-hmm. Um, then we move on to the crew. Like, keeping the crew in the dark feels very cruel to me. I, I don't like the As a reader. I can understand that psychologically they wouldn't want them, like, especially Commander Lewis, they wouldn't right. want her to spiral. She needs to complete the mission. Right. Um, but you could have asked them for... Like how, like they could have supported it. First of all, if you were using them, they could relay communication faster because they were closer to Mars. Right. Right. So that would have been one thing. You could have made him feel connected to people again. Right. Which eventually they do. It's just delayed, mm -hmm. which is devastating. Right. I don't like that they waited. I I think. I don't either. It, um, I do like that they consulted the crew psychologist that helped them prep for the mission. I -hmm. feel like that, that was thought out and I feel like that Mm -hmm. is something that NASA would do because Mm -hmm. mental health has become a big part of becoming an astronaut Mm -hmm. after we've had a few astronauts have PTSD issues. Right. um, Well, I don't think, I don't think what the delaying telling them was the right decision, but I absolutely believe that is the decision NASA would make. I don't think they would have told them. And this I sounds, don't think they would have told him at all. I think they would have waited for them. And to I home. think this is heartless, but I would side with NASA here. Yeah. Keeping I mean, the well-being of the astronauts that they know are safe and alive right, right. versus the one on the ground. And, absolutely. And, that, and the same is true about the Rich Purnell like, yeah. loop. We're going like, to get there. I love Rich Purnell so much. Yeah, I do too. But like, I just want to say like that maneuver to, to slingshot them back around Earth and go back and save him they would have never, that would have never been the one that was chosen because no. um, it put their lives at not, risk. You do not risk six people when you can have the risk, when you just risk you one. Save five people, yeah. When you can save yeah. five people. You can save five. And I mean, even though the risk factor was lower, if all six of them, like all six of them being saved was a lower risk factor than, than only one mm-hmm. being saved. But... It's still, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't risk the lives of that many people when they could, when. I mean, so in chapter 12, we finally get a sneak peek of what it was like on Mars before fucking hell broke loose. Right. Um, what did you think of them showing us the past mid book? I loved it. I thought that was really smart writing too, um, because it was a buildup, right? We didn't get any right. interaction with the crew until that point. So now we get to know where their headspace was during that. And we and we kind of get their personalities too, which was nice. And we get to know that Commander Lewis, um, that she probably was really struggling 
on Hermes. Oh, like, yeah. She's still mourning the fact that she couldn't bring him home. Um, I really liked the line that Beck says, which is, I just lost my best friend. I don't want to lose my commander. Right. Um, I love that. It was, it was... You could really see, well, you know, they talk about this, and he talks about it in the book. Mm-hmm. They had two years to prep for the mission, right. almost a year to get there. Right. They've been together three plus years. And probably longer. They're a family at this probably point. Probably longer than that, too, because they went through, you know, you have to go through the training and all that. Go through so the training, and they've yeah. They've probably known each other for a while. Yeah, because we don't know how long they've all been astronauts. Right, we don't know that. But, um, it... It definitely, you can definitely see, before we get to know them, like when we do later in the book, Mm -hmm. you definitely get to see how heartbroken they are, thinking they just lost. Right. I mean, we learn later, the the crew psychologist says Mark was literally picked for his personality. right? Right. Because she knew he would be funny and he would be great in tough situations. He would make sure that people's morale was good. Like. Minus the fact he was a botanist and a mechanical engineer and all that jazz, he was truly picked for who he was on the inside. And so they truly lost a piece of their heart that day, they thought. Oh, yeah. So it was devastating. He seems like, I I mean, we talk about fictional characters like they're real all the time, and here's a great example. Mark Watney seems like the kind of person you would be friends with. Like, I feel like I would be friends with him. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's like, a little weird. You know who he reminds me of? Between his personality, the starkiness, the comments, mm-hmm. him jimmy rigging everything, yeah. it's Matthew Biggs. <laughs> it is Matthew I, I Biggs. I also want to go on record and say that's also Tom Watkins. <laughs> 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 my window in my car broke a week ago, and he got the part a couple of days ago, and it was the wrong part. So he decided to take apart the part to remake a new part. I love that so much. Ask me if it worked. Ask me if it worked. <laughs> it didn't work. I know the answer. It did to that. not work. <laughs> I know the answer to that because I live with the guy that does that. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's so, he's definitely a kind of guy I would be friends with. So I can I right. can imagine, and you want to be friends with. Yeah, he, he, yeah. So chapter thirteen and fourteen. Thirteen. The that's when the breach in the the airlock. The, airlock happens and then 14 we see mark finally break Mm -hmm. this man melts down and i feel like this was a long time coming and i'm surprised it took this long like i don't know well i i mean i think like at that point um how many times can you like almost die you know, and I mean, he keeps a good spirit about it. Like when he's packing his last meals, he talks about how yeah. he names one of them. Like, he labels them. Yeah, he names one of them to eat after an event that should have killed me. <laughs> that should have killed him. Because let's be honest, there's bound to be another one. And I'm like, this is a good point. <laughs> he's realistic. Yeah. Um. I just have a note that says duct tape is the unsung hero of this book. Yes. And actually we had a discussion about duct tape while Tom was trying to fix my window. I'm like, can you just like, it's getting cold here, right? It's, we live in Virginia. Like this isn't yeah. we're in Florida or, or whatever. Like we're in Virginia. So I asked him, I'm like, can you just like tape the window? And he's like, well, duct tape's not sticking to it. I was like, duct tape works in space, Tom. Why is it not? <laughs> why is it not? It works in space. I don't understand. Um, so... 
by okay, so page one seventy five, he tells us the gay, he what's the line? A gay safe uh Gay probe coming to save me. Got it. Because <laughs> it's named after Iris, the god of rainbows. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then we finally get into Rich Parnell. 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 And Rich instantly becomes my favorite character other than Mark. Yes. He's mine in too. this book. He's mine too. He is 100% autistic. There's absolutely 100%. no way you can convince me None. that he's not. I, I love, he's like, people don't tell me, you gotta tell me, you gotta tell me, because I don't know. I, I, like, have, then, I have two notes about this. Um, yeah. Uh, where me. did they go? Well, fuck. Um, gosh, April, get your shit together. Okay, so, where's the line? He goes, Rich, uh, alright, here he it is. Goes his computer, yeah. Okay, sorry. So on page 181 and 180 and 181, that's the first time that we see him. Right. And this is when I read this, I texted you and said, this guy is completely autistic. So he says um, he's working on something that like is not his his job. And his boss is (laughs) like, but you need to do this thing. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Is his words like, "Uh, would now be a good time for a vacation? Mike sighed. You know what, Rich? I think now would be an ideal time for a vacation. <laughs> Great, Rich smiled. I'll, I'll start right now. Sure, Mike said. Go home and re- get some rest. Oh, I'm not going home, said Rich, returning to his calculations. Like, he's just like, well, I don't actually. Then then Mike. Like, and then he turns to him and he's like, I need the supercomputer. Like, but, I, but I'm on vacation. <laughs> like, he's like, I can't do that. He's like, well, this vac- is my vacation. I'm on vacation. And then, um, 198 and 199 that's when he does the thing where he's like i i need people i can sometimes be difficult i just need people to like tell me that tell and me so then can't you're being difficult kapoor says yeah, he's like uh he's like uh okay keep it under your hat i don't wear a hat it's just an expression really rich said it's just it's stupid expression rich <laughs> you're being difficult ah thanks like <laughs> <laughs> you know what as a person that can be difficult at not knowing when i'm talking too much or i'm out of step mm-hmm. it is nice for somebody to be like molly right like as the mom of a child with autism i was very happy to see representation um because i often say that james will fit in at nasa because they're all socially awkward, like geniuses. Um, right. But I loved the representation. And this book in general does great with representation. Um, uh, powerful Vincent women. Kapoor. Right. Yes. Lots of diversity in race and ethnicity. Um, I mean, they were not just white men. Like, it was fantastic. No. Because, let's be honest, I, I know a lot of people that work at NASA, and they are not all white men. Right. There is a lot of white men over there. Right. But it's not all white men. Right. But I liked, I definitely thought that was great that the representation was there too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, the feeling of hope on pages 184 and 185 are, as we wait for Iris to launch is palpable. We see all the viewpoints. The one that stuck out to me most was the crew in space. My heart hurt for them as the failure of this mission is as devastating for everyone. This feels very realistic as we see this in American history with Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. End of chapter, page 119. Watney asks how it went, and my eyes started to tear up. Yeah. What did you feel? How did you feel about this scene? I did too. 
Um, I didn't tear up then, but I did tear up at the end when he gets saved. Like, I, I cried with him. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I got other crying parts. Yeah. I cried throughout this book. But um, I, I really thought... Um, the thing is that while Watney needed them to get the supplies to him, like, and that's where his head was, you can tell that that wasn't the only thing he cared about. At this point in time, right. like, the crew knows he's alive. Um, NASA knows he's alive. People are like invested in his story and he wants to make it very clear that no one is to blame for this. And I honestly think when that uh, probe blew up, I think he probably would have been fine with, okay, y'all tried your best. Thank you so much for trying to save me. I'm going to go out. I will do my best to stay alive here. I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory and blow up some hydrogen. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I, I don't think it's in Mark Watney's constitution. We're talking about this man like he's real. I don't think it's in his constitution. I don't think it's in his constitution to give up. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. I truly think that man would have starved to death. No, I don't think he would have. He did say, he did say from the beginning that he would not allow him to starve to death. If he was out of options completely, 100% out of options, he would take a bunch of pills because there was so much yeah. morphine yeah. on yeah. in the That's hab. true. He did say that. Um, and I think he would have it. And I think any sane person would because, like, nobody wants to starve to death. That's miserable. Nobody. Um, first and foremost, naming this project Elron mm-hmm. proves how nerdy people mm-hmm. are at NASA. Mm-hmm. How do you think they handled it? And do you think Mitch was right to get the crew involved? Um. So I think that that discussion would have probably been with just those people. I don't know that the com the um, media person would have been there, but no. I do think that the, I, the, the three department heads w- would have been there, and that would have been the end of it. And I don't even think that I don't even know that he would say it in front of Mitch. Like I don't know if Van Kant would have just not gone right to the director, and then that would have been the end of it. This is what we found out. This is what we can do. And then you make the decision because the more people you involve, the more likely it is. The more leaks. Yeah. And I think. I mean, Rich Pinnell is a steely eyed missile man. Was the biggest F you Mitch could have said. I think Mitch was wrong for doing that. He put everyone's life at risk. He put everyone's life at risk. I feel like. He knew. He knew telling them. He knew telling them that they would choose that option. Yeah. And it really wasn't their decision to make. This was a great scene. Okay, first and foremost, Sean Bean's in the movie, which I want to talk about in a little bit. I said to Tom, I've never seen something he lived through. (laughs) Sean Bean's in this movie, and Sean Bean was in the Lord of the Rings. He was in Elrond, too. (laughs) He was in Elrond. And when Teddy says his favorite character and looks at Sean Bean, I almost shit kittens. (laughs) Because that was Sean Bean's character in fucking Lord of the Rings. It is. It was. Anyways. There's also Um, quite a few actors from the Marvel universe. So I kind of. I mean, Ridley Scott was the director. So that sort of makes sense. But. um, He calls himself a space pirate. Definitely from. He was a fan of Firefly. Definitely. Um, Martian coffee. Gross. Caffeine pill in water. Gross. Gross. Um, the K. Okay. 
Dust Storm, when we get to the, when he's on in route and he's Jimmy rigged it and he fucked up the freaking fucked up his communication and which by at the this way point, that doesn't happen in the movie and I'm really bothered by that. It bothers the hell out of me. Really at this that. point, I wrote. I think at this point they should rename Murphy's Law to Watney's Law. Right. Good call. Good call. <laughs> um, keep going. I wanted to say, like, you I have no idea how accurate the science is in here because, like, I'm a science fan, but I'm not a scientist. Um, same. But the Brit math hurt my man, my mind. I already struggle with metric to what we use yeah. in America. Um, so for them, like the narrator to like ramble it off real fast in the audiobook, right. my brain was on fire. Right. Well, even though I don't like know how accurate it, it is, um, it, it doesn't seem to like suspend reality. Like, like it's a really good example of like, uh, this isn't really a term, but like high science fiction, right. like high fantasy is more rooted in history and things like that. So things like um, uh, Game of Thrones, which is not really based on yeah. history, but you know what I mean? That's high fantasy. Um, and, and you can throw the Lord of the Rings in high fantasy as well. So to me, this is reads like a high science fiction, which I know is not a real term. Um, it's actually not really truly completely sci-fi it is sci-fi but it's also it's realistic sci-fi it's alternate reality like an absolutely remarkable thing because all this takes place and what could potentially be our reality in 2035 um it right. presupposes that we will be in that place that we'll be going to mars in 2035 um so i i think that um it, because of the way that it does that, because it roots itself in realistic timelines, um, it doesn't go the way of some science fiction, which is like, okay, now we can blast into overdrive. Like, that's not that's not real science. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's complete science fiction. Um, so I did like that about this. Um, I my one complaint, my one for this book, my one. Oh no, my one. Okay, I have two. Sorry, two. First of all, I feel like NASA would have known he was alive sooner. It's not the satellites right. that would have been the notification. He goes into the hab. Maybe there weren't alerts to let people know when the doors were open and closed. Maybe there weren't. But there were there were uh, body monitors on all of them all the time. NASA outfits its, uh, its astronauts to be monitored the entire time they're in space. So they know right. if their BP is bad, if they're getting sick, blah, blah, blah. So I understand that his like broke when he was out in the field, but like he would have like re-engaged them when he was back in the lab. So right. they would have known sooner that he was alive. So that's, that's my first one. Um, my second one is that I wish there was a more conclusive ending. So this is the one thing that I did like about the movie. The movie was that we did, did get a good ending. We did it like a okay, now he's home and like ten years, five years later, he's training the astronauts who are going to go up. How to survive yeah. in the alone? I love yeah. that survivalist training. So to me, space style. To me. <laughs> I understand that it was already 360 some odd pages, but I would have done another 10 more to do an epilogue. I would have loved that. Uh, what it was like for him to come home and what he was doing now. Um, well, he's buying beers for the crew at JPL. And he's going to tell his, his <laughs> grandchildren, I 
drove up a hill, a crater on Mars by myself. So like, like we know all of that, but I would have liked to have seen that. So that's my only two, right. like, I didn't like this things. I, well, I love the final line. You're right. I would have, I really would have liked an epilogue. I would have liked an epilogue. I, um, so before we get to the movie, can I tell you a couple quick facts? I have a couple more things. Oh. Well, crap. I have a couple more things. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll um, slow my roll a little bit. I'm not the leader today. That's okay. Um, on page 280, mm-hmm. Martinez gives uh, Beck and Johansson shit and calls it the Million Mile High Club. Yeah. Which set me down a um, rabbit hole because me, Beck and Johansson are obviously in a romantic relationship and this had me well, wondering. They, they weren't the whole time, but... No, but after he sent letters and told Beck to get his shit together. Right. For science, has anyone actually had intercourse on space? So I looked it up. A Googleable question, everyone. This is something people have Googled. And I just want to go on record. I just want to go on record and say, I also Googled this question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put the two links I found. Yeah. Um, did you think this was interesting? I'll send you another one too, because Tom said, Tom and I were talking about this and he's like, oh yeah, the astronauts have 100% had sex in space. They, they say no, but they have, there was a couple that went together, a married couple. Well, NASA profusely says they have never had intercourse in space. Well, deny, deny, deny. That's very American of us. We're very... Um, but, uh, the, now NASA does not allow married couples to go up in space together. Um, I know the research, understandably the so research that you found was like, they had like let Guinea pigs go at it or something. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I don't think that anyone has actually had sex in space. I know if I was a married, if, if Tom and I were up there together, I would have a hard time not being the first to do that. But, well, and but I just feel like I don't think they have. And, and it's because of one of the things that was in one of the articles you posted it's mm-hmm. their workplace. And, like, right. not every workplace is like Grey's Anatomy where people are, like, banging in, <laughs> like, the on-call rooms. Like, that's not realistic. Like, it's your workplace. My my struggle with this is, is the whole point of doing all this space exploration. The whole point mm-hmm. is we are trying to find an alternative to where we are because we are fucking the planet up, right? right? Well. We are going to need somewhere else to go. I mean, I don't totally agree with that. But, yes, I... I Okay, I don't think that's the reason we're looking to go to Mars. I don't think that's the reason we're going to Mars. I I can conclude, I can say that I do think we have fucked the planet up a little bit. Um, But I don't think that's why we're looking at Mars. That's not why I think we're doing it. But figuring out how to eventually procreate Mm off-planet when we don't have gravity... Should be a priority if we are making it a priority to habitize But it only planet. has to be a priority if we are planning to ha- inhabit another planet, which is not the goal. The goal of NASA right now is not to inhabit Mars. It's to understand what happened to Mars because they believe... So we don't fuck our shit up. <laughs> they believe that Mars may have been able to sustain life at one time. So right. what happened to it? So we can discover more about it and let's be honest nasa's just also interested in being the first like they want to be the first to do the things um they didn't get to be the first in space um but they've been the first on basically everything else 
Um, right. And, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that that's happened. I don't think it's happened. Um, I think eventually if that would became the thing that we had to do, if we had to inhabit space, I think obviously there would I mean, be- we have enough science. We can make babies without making babies. So. <laughs> right. But you can't actually poop in zero gravity. So how would you ejaculate? Right. right. This is my, this is my concern. Okay. If you are a scientist and you're listening to this and you, you know what, you know about these things, we will have you on. We will do a revisit. We will talk about this you know, one again. You know, there's enough men that have gone up to space that I wouldn't be surprised if one of them hasn't like. Hey, former astronauts, if you yanked the wizard right. in space, right? we need information. I think that we probably know if you can ejaculate in space, but I don't necessarily think that people have had sex in space. <laughs> And once again, vampires do not have sperm. It needs to be said. Just, to, be said. just to clarify. It needs to be said. And vampires don't have sperm in space either. Yeah. Vampires in space. There's your size five book. Oh my gosh. So on page 353, he's launched off Mars. He's almost saved he's any ghetto rig up. And he tells his commander that he's going to fly like he can fly like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this for a second. So we discussed this. Watney was born in 1994. Mm-hmm. The Iron Man movie came out in 08. Okay. The first one. Okay. As a child, he must have idolized Tony oh, Stark. 100. He must have wanted to be Iron Man. And for him to like, for a moment, just be like, I'm going to be Iron Man at 40 years old is amazing. (laughs) I don't even think you have to grow up with Iron Man to like want to be Iron Man at 40 years old. Right. (laughs) But I I feel like it's a great way. Another way Andy Weir stuck something in small to show us the time frame Mm -hmm. without giving us exact dates. Right. right? right. It's just. It's smart. It's so smart. It's smart. I would love to see his research notes on this. Yeah. When um, Lewis said, all crew aboard, six safely aboard. I cried. I started crying. I cried. I started crying. I cried. Um, so you didn't listen to the audiobook. I didn't. I read the physical I, book. Um, I definitely want to listen to the audiobook. Um, you should just peruse it. You have access to my Audible. Not, not sponsored. sponsored. Um, <laughs> not sponsored. We will say that until Audible sponsors us, by the way. Not, not sponsored. sponsored. Um, <laughs> but he does the voices. He does the inflections. Mm-hmm. He does it all. And there's actually a whole thing about, um, there's a little beef about this actually going on. Yeah. Will Wheaton! Wheaton! So, they're going to be changing out who narrates it mm-hmm. in the f- very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, which, no hate on Will Wheaton. I'm a fan. Um, R.C. Bray, who does the, the current the audiobook audio narration. Yeah. Um, which, that's the version I currently have. I don't know if Audible changes that out. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah. I don't know the audio science. Not sponsored. Um, he won... Audie Awards for this mm-hmm. book. He's won a lot of awards for his narration of this book. Mm-hmm. And I'll put mm-hmm. the few articles up. There is some drama about replacing well, I, him 
for Will Wheaton. I'm just surprised that if you're going to re-record it, that you don't do a full cast. Like, why wouldn't you do a full cast? Right. Right. Well, and I mean, we there's... um. I don't know if you have the link, but we can share the link if we have it. Uh, Will Wheaton leaving a review about how much he loves Yeah, the book. so that's in my notes. Um, he left a review on Goodreads. So I, I don't have a – I can give you the link. It's basically just yeah. a link to Goodreads. You can find it on Goodreads of the book. Um, Will Wheaton is super popular. We all Will know this. Will Wheaton actually reviewed it. And it's the first time I've actually seen someone famous – review something that it appeared in the regular review. It wasn't right. up in like the, um, cause he got like a verification check, like the other shit. I think so. Yeah. But normally those people like other, because it's authors on there though. And so that's probably why right. since he's not an author, the authors who review other books like are up higher. Um, but his right. was just like but in he, down with everybody else's, which was weird. But he does, um, Audio narration. Mm-hmm. He has narrated. He narrates uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, uh, he's narrated a couple books. Ready um, he does Ready Player One. I'll have to well. look on Audible. Um, not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> um, but no, I do think that's really weird that they're going to have him do it. If you're going to re-record it, I would have done a full cast because this book, right. this book screams full cast audiobook. It sure does. Um, oh well, he has his own book. He does? That's coming out next year. Okay, Will so he's does. not technically an author on Goodreads yet. Still Just a Geek, an autonomy memoir. It comes out on 4 12 um, But I mean, there is... Just a little bit. And, um, there is four pages on Audible.sponsored of him narrating books with other narrators by, and by himself. Mm-hmm. Um... So off the audible, on to the movie. Um, um, before we do that, yes, the bailiff. Um, PBS did the Great American Read uh, in 2019, 2020? Right. That was, um, it, Tom's right, 18, 19, doesn't matter. Moving on. Um, and To Kill a Mockingbird 1, which is my favorite book, so yay for that. Of course it um, did. But, uh, the Martian came in at 61. It was in the top 100 finalists, came in at 61. Uh, Does not surprise me not at, all. at all. Not at all. Um, not at all. And I, so I wanted to share that. Um, I do have a link for the entire list of the Great American Reading, in case anybody is interested in reading the books off of there. Um, but the the he, it came in at 20 at 61. Um, and these were voted on by the American people. Uh, yeah, so, I remember voting yeah, on it. Kill a Mockingbird came in first place, and the other four finalists were Outlander, Harry Potter, Pride and Prejudice, and Lord of the Rings. Um, Outlander? Yeah, I don't know that I would have. That was number two. Like, I wouldn't have. No. What? I wouldn't put that that high. Um, but, like, honestly, Fifty Shades of Grey is on here. Like, what the fuck? Um, okay, obviously. But you know what? Okay, we've said this before. Reading is reading. We yeah. cannot judge. I. I. We, we should not judge other people's reading. We're glad you're reading. I'm going to judge your reading, but taste. I'm also going to say that you should keep reading. <laughs> yes, both. Both. Um, so anyway, yeah, I wanted to share that it came in 61st place, which is fantastic. Like first time author, sci-fi doesn't always make these lists. People are looking right. for more classics and things like that. So um, it, very. I mean, happy this to hear will that. be a classic one day. Yeah. This will be a classic well, one day. Well, there are schools that do this for one school, one book. They I do love the Young it. Reader edition of it for one school, one book. So um, I love it. Yeah, it's happening. We're reading it in schools. 
So let's talk about the movie so we can wrap up. Yeah, because we're already over by like eight minutes. That's okay. This is a good book and everybody should read it. Um, What did you think about the casting? Because I was a fan. There was, I have one problem with casting. One major problem with casting. Kapoor is an, it's very obvious he is an Indian character. Yes. I think he could have been British, in, uh, Indian. Um, they Indian, definitely British. made him have an Indian accent in the book, right. in the audiobook. Well, and I think he would have. Uh, but he could have been English. Like, he could have been from the UK and Indian. Um, I think... The- but they definitely changed his ethnicity in the movie. Yeah. Which... I didn't like that. I liked the actor. I liked the actor who played mm-hmm. him. I... I feel representation is important. Right. And I uh, obviously don't have know other, the inner workings of they, TV and movies, right. but they did have this other in, they did have other Indian actors in the movie. So I think that right. representation was still there. Um but what bothered me was I think that the casting came down to let's get an a-list cast. Good names. And in, um, I mean, they did. They, they did. got a great I mean, A-list cast. I Matt mean, Damon was a perfect Mark Watney. Like, oh. I think that... We, we actually had a list of people we were going through. Yeah, we so like, I think Leonardo DiCaprio could have done it. Um, like, I think that would have been... A I don't think movie. he's snarky enough. No, he is. Have you seen... Uh, what's the one he does where he plays the crooked banker type guy? He, I don't know. Oh, um... um you know what I'm talking about? I can't think of the name of the yep. movie. Um, but that one, he's like the perfect snark in it. Um, right. I, I think that Matt Damon's character in Ocean's Eleven is basically Mark Watney. Um, right. That's the kind of energy he brought to it. And there are definitely... Wolves of Wall Street. That's it. Wolves of Wall Street. There are definitely actors that play that snarky line really well, but they can't carry a movie. And you have right. to be able to carry a movie because you are essentially the entire movie. Matt Damon, I mean, I think Matt Damon was a good choice. He was a great choice, yeah. He was a good choice. They also um, did a lot of, like, showing him, like, half naked, which was unnecessary. Like, although, let's be honest, they don't talk about this in the book, but if you are alone on Mars, you are ass naked in the have all the time. Like, you're not putting on clothes. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Why? I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, like, you can't shower. Right. You're going to be stinky. Right. You're going to need to dry out. Right. Although he was dealing with a lot of poop because of the botany. So maybe. maybe Anyway, um, (laughs) I liked Rich Purnell. Our favorite character was done by uh, Donald Glover. Basically just played a bod from community. Like all he did. Try and up in the morning. I love community. He basically was avid. That's what I meant. Um, He basically was him. (laughs) What did you think of the subtle changes in the storyline? Because. Yeah, fuck that shit. So here's some things I noticed. They start on Soul 18 instead of 6, which is dumb. Yep. Like, why that change? That's unnecessary. Fuck you guys. Um, Rude. They change the rescue at the end to make it more dramatic. Like, Commander Lewis tells him, do not come out of the capsule. You stay in there until Beck comes to get, like, actually straps you to him. And then also they have Lewis take Beck's place. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I under- she has to be like I understand okay. that she's the commander and like wants to like make sure everything goes well, but then you would send no. in your best man to do it. Like mm-hmm. Beck was the one trained right. to do Beck it. Beck was literally trained Beck. for it. Why one, he was a doctor, and two, he was literally trained right. for 
EVAs. Right. right. That was his fucking right. job. Um, they, uh, they start having him eat the potatoes faster to sort of make him look more like he's more desperate. And they give him ketchup, which they don't have that in the book. He runs out of ketchup. <laughs> yeah. He runs out of coffee. Yeah. He runs out of salt. Yeah. He runs, he's coating it in the movie. Coats one and Vicodin because he fucking can. <laughs> um, he doesn't lose his communications with Earth before going to Mav Four. Like he has comms the whole way. Um, right, which, they which got rid was of the bullshit. Plot line with the storm. So I guess that. Which I would really be interested to see if those are in like the. No, I cut. I don't think like in the end you credits. You see in a the... storm in the background, like brewing in one of the scenes. Uh-huh. But I think they cut it for time purposes. Like it, it really like there were definitely parts of this book that like were very long. I mean kudos to the excellent writing that I was Fantastic I was engaged writing. the entire time um but best book ever I don't I wouldn't go that far until mine gets published I wouldn't go <laughs> that far but um but but well, yeah there were definitely parts that for a movie like you know aren't gonna work but this definitely um, was set up to be a movie yeah this book is primed to be a movie right. honestly I would have this would have been an excellent HBO show yeah yeah or or Netflix or something like that. Um, also yeah. not sponsored. Um, so uh, they changed the name, first name of Vincent Kapoor. They changed his name. Yeah. Um, to Vincent. Yeah. Uh, Nick Muhammad has a terrible American accent and I'm mad about it. Like super mad yep. about it. Like don't do that. You're terrible. Um, and I like that actor. Like I like him. I love right. the show Ted Lasso and like he's fantastic. Right. I love Ted Lasso. I fucking I don't, love Ted Lasso. I do too. I don't like Nick Muhammad cannot do an American accent. All right, and here is my number one complaint about the movie: the characters. Okay, hit me. The characters of Annie and Mindy are so badass in the book. Like they are powerful right. fucking women. Okay, Mindy comes in a little timid, but she's like, "Look, you fucking just turned me into." She knows her job. She that you just turned me into somebody who's a paparazzi in space. Like this isn't my job. I have a master's degree. I'm above this. this. And Annie, <clears throat> Annie literally tells the director, "Like I was hoping he would have punched you because you are a fucking coward." And which both, I love Chris and Wig in that role. Both of those women in the movie, their role is diminished. They are not the badass women that they are. And since representation is so important, and since the author went to the great lengths of including women in um, leadership, and you diminish their role in the movie, that gets a yeah from me. Facts. So that's my take on the movie. <laughs> Thank you. Facts. Um, I have. It's little things like that that, like, mm-hmm. the, the, obviously, I liked Chris and Wig in that role. Mm-hmm. I don't like, like you said, they really knocked down how, like, they made Mindy a afterthought. They put her in the, in the command center, too, which is not, she would never, never. That's not how any of this works. No, that she'd have no business That's being how there. any of this works. So, um. Favorite part of the book we didn't talk about before we finish off. My favorite part of the book? Yep. Um, to end the pod. Favorite part of the book? Uh, my favorite part of the book was, this was my favorite line. Um, he gets letters from like all over that get sent to him. And he's, and mm-hmm. this is my favorite line. It's on page 147. One of them was from my alma mater, the University of Chicago. They say, once you grow crops somewhere, you've officially colonized it. So technically, I colonized Mars. 
in your face, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> that was my favorite That's line. That's a good one. That was my favorite line. Um, I liked, I really enjoyed when uh, Mindy called herself space paparazzi. Yeah. Um, the one thing, the one scene we didn't talk about is when they're trying to, like, they're, it's pre-Mark finding uh, the independence. Mm-hmm. And they're just watching him on the satellites. Yeah, going and around in circles. Kapoor's, and he's going around and he's driving around. And Kapoor, like, finally is like, oh, holy shit. I know what he's doing. Yeah. And he runs to their break room and takes something off the wall and, like, is drawing on the map. And by the way, couldn't he have just put that, like, on an interactive whiteboard and drawn on it there? Like, it's NASA. Um, it's like, NASA. Again, and again, because I am a visual learner, uh-huh. I will, and I'll put the links mm-hmm. that I found. I found all the maps for Mars yeah. and like the valleys and shit because I need to see things. So well, I was looking at visual maps. And if you as do we went. read the physical book instead of the audio book, yes, um, there is a beautiful there map. There is in the a front. map in the front. I'll just go ahead and show it. Um, if the light will catch, there we go. So you can see like the top. What is it? Top topography. T- topography of Mars. I had to think of what the word was. Topographical? Yeah, it's the topographical. Is that what it is? Is that the word? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's getting late. I'm getting tired. <laughs> We're getting punchy here. Right. Um, I want to say I would love to do another one of his books. Yeah, I mean, if there's a second one, um, you said that I, I would love it. He Well, he has other books. I don't know if they're, like, in tandem to this book, but I definitely want to read more of his work. Yes. I'm with you on that. I, I could do, I could definitely do. Mr. Weir, we would love to have you on, too. Yeah, I could definitely We'll talk do. about fucking anything. Yeah. I mean, we are far <laughs> below what radar caliber is, but hey. <laughs> oh, so all right. Well, we're okay. 20 minutes over. <laughs> that's coming out. There's a pre-order on his website right now. It's called Hail, Project Hail Mary. And um, it's a lone astronaut must must save the Earth from disaster in this incredible new science-based thriller from the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Martian. So there you go. That's his next one that'll be out. Um, So we are over. So next week, I'm hosting again. Maybe we'll keep on time. Um, And we are reading this book, Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yu. I promise nothing. (laughs) um and i this is a new book this book actually came out in 2021 um over the summer um nicole yoon also wrote everything everything and the sun is also a star which are two of my all-time favorite books um so uh this one came out this year and so this is new to both of us um Uh, um, i've never read anything of hers so i'm excited to get started on it fantastic fantastic i'm excited to get started on it well besties we're over we are way over. <laughs> My hair's falling out. It's becoming a shit show. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, bye! bye! <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April, not those of anyone else. Today's book was The Martian by Andy Weir. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins. Music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow Book Besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the Book Besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.